You are listening to New Style Tea, where I make people drinks and they come up with things to talk about. Enjoy! So my name is Daniela, and I went to Bryn Mawr at the same time that you went, well, we overlapped mm-hmm. at Bryn Mawr. Um, you were my French TA my freshman year. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I honestly wasn't myself um, in high school. I mean, no one is themselves in high school, right? High school is terrible. My school was, um, it was a good mixture. I mean, well, let me not say that. There were a lot of white kids, a lot of black kids, a lot of Hispanic kids. There weren't really that many Asian kids at my school, but, um, it honestly was segregated because all of the white kids and some of the kids of color were in the IB program and then all of the other kids of color were in the regular program. So it was hugely segregated, even though it was still um, like diverse by numbers. Mm-hmm. And yeah, my debate team was not like that at all, though. It was like majority white boys, um, oh. very oh. few girls. And I just had a very different experience, lived experience from them. Um, and we didn't really get along, you know, like I, I think part of the reason that we didn't really get along is because they were just very like, Obnoxious. yes. And some of them were, they would just say very sexist things, masquerading as jokes. And I just didn't tolerate that. Um, and they were expecting people to laugh along. So we just, we didn't vibe. So I went to like the World Affairs Council one time. Well, I did a couple of times, but um, one of the times that I was like visiting the World Affairs Council, they had like a session for high schoolers. And I saw that there were some girls from the newly opened, the newly opened um, girls high school in my district. And I was like, wow, I should transfer to the girls' high school. That'd be so much better than where I am now. Um, But I don't think they had a debate team at the time. And that's the reason that I went to my high school. So I decided not to even go for it. Oh, my gosh. Um, That's really funny because uh, my high school debate experience You were in debate? mm, I mean, so I think a few... Most of the time, I did uh, Model United Nations. Oh my god, NUA! Yes, which there was not a single person in that club who was, ah, I think maybe, maybe like, maybe there'd be like one white person. Okay. Like, you know, (laughs) in the shadows. But yeah, nobody saw it as like a club of white people. It was literally all, it was all Asian. I'm pretty sure by the time my brother was doing Model United Nations, he was the only Chinese American person on the entire team. I remember like he was, there was like a photo of him and it was, yeah, and it was all like Indian Americans. Yeah, it was not at all considered like a thing that the white kids at my school did. And in some ways, it feels like I had an experience there that was non-white and it was good but then coming to Bryn Mawr I felt a lot like an imposter person of color because I felt like I didn't I felt like a lot of times people use the term person of color when they really mean like 
um, working class people of color、mm. or they really mean、um, uh, I don't know like first generation college student、mm. of color and I felt kind of like does this apply to me I don't I don't really know oh that's so interesting that you say that because as a lower income person of color I would just assume that all people of color have that same background and so I would say something and then like the person of color that I was talking to actually came from like upper middle class or even just like I don't know like the 10% or whatever、yeah. and that's just a hugely different experience and I think I'd be a little disappointed maybe even resentful of that、mm. um Yeah, yeah, I think maybe we should be more explicit and say working class people of color, right? And I also think that working class people of color have, can have very similar experiences to working class white people. Oh, yeah. And so maybe it's just sometimes when we mean like working, like when we say people of color and we mean working. Class people of color, maybe what we should mean is just working class people. Yes. You know, like this, this is an experience that applies specifically to working class people regardless of race. Yeah, I mean, I think even just who can picture themselves at a liberal arts school is hugely dependent on class,、mm-hmm. right? I, so I was really fortunate because,、um, well, I went to a really large high school. There were 800 kids in my year. So there were thousands of people in the school, like over、yeah. 3,000. And、um, there were three college counselors for the whole school, which is crazy. Yeah. But I was really fortunate because、um, the year that I was there was the second year that there was this program called Emerge、um, in my school. Well, it was in the district, and they chose my school as one of the schools to. You know, bring in.、Um, and essentially, like they chose 10 students from each grade to be a part of this program, and it was just a college mentorship program. So they helped us with our essays,、um, you know, the personal statement, the college essays, and they took us on a college tour.、Um, Yeah, it was just, I mean, we had like one on one mentoring, right? And I was always in and out of the college counselor's office. And I knew them because、um, I knew them because one of them actually volunteered with the debate team. And so I was on the debate team. So I knew her like pretty well. So I don't think I would have、um, not had her assistance otherwise, but it was still nice to have, you know, like that. More personal guidance. And even then, I was just one of 10 students out of 800, you know, so I had a very different experience from 790 of my classmates, right? But、um, it was really nice to have that. And I don't think I would have known about Bryn Mawr otherwise.、Mm-hmm. It was my counselor who told me that I should consider the school. And then,、um, So, it was my Emerge like, program manager who told me to consider Bryn Mawr. And then it was my college counselor who I bugged a lot because I knew her through debate, who、um, 
told me about the Posse Scholarship, and it was just all a coincidence, right? But, I mean, I didn't even know that there were women's colleges yeah. before that. And um, surprisingly, that's actually what I wanted. Oh, yeah. One time I was volunteering with my um, NHS, and we, we were volunteering at the museum. I don't know why. But, like, I don't know what kind of volunteering the museum needs. Um, but we were doing something, and there were, like, the other people who were there volunteering were these, like, they looked wealthy to me, um, older white women. And they were asking me about my college plans, and I told them. Well, actually, it was very interesting because I think they asked me if I was going to college, which I don't think I took offense to at the time, but thinking about it now, yeah. it's kind of strange. And um, and then I told them I was going to Bryn Mawr, and one of them was like, oh, my God, Lucille, Lucille, she's going to Bryn Mawr. And they were all very <laughs> excited for me. Um, but anyone outside of that demographic really was like, where is that? And are you going to be a nun? <laughs> Hi again. Hope you enjoyed that conversation that Danny and I had over iced mango green tea. If you'd like to read the conversation, you can find the edited text on newstyletea.substack.com. If you'd like to talk to me, please definitely get in touch. If you'd like to support me, you can do so at co-fi.com slash newstyletea. Okay, so to learn more on the topic of purpose, I talked to Mei Yun, a third-year PhD student in clinical psychology at Rutgers University. She is the lab project director of youth social-emotional and purpose development at the Social-Emotional and Character Development Lab. Her research broadly pertains to youth socio-emotional and purpose development, including ways to create a supportive school climate and culture, to enhance social-emotional skills in youth, and to reduce negative outcomes such as bullying and suicide. Enjoy! I can give you the academic definition of purpose and then explain kind of my take on that question. Um, so I guess the official definition of purpose in the literature is the forward-looking intention to contribute to matters beyond the self. And so you can hear from that definition that there are different components of purpose. Um, I don't know if you've watched the movie Soul, but Soul is a Pixar movie that really gets at purpose and they talk about it in different ways and they represent souls with like animated characters that are blue and then they talk about finding the spark for the soul so I think if you really wanted to illustrate abstract ideas like purpose maybe that could be one way to go about it for a child if you've heard of social emotional learning which is actually a big part of what our lab studies um, there are several skills um, that we call SEL skills or social emotional skills that are critical skills for the development of children. And I believe, and our lab actually believes that these skills are very important for youth as well um, to develop a sense of purpose that all of these things go hand in hand. So uh, among these social emotional skills, there's social awareness. Um, and that involves being aware of other people, um, being aware of social issues, empathizing with others, and understanding other people's difficulties and feeling concerned for other people. So that can definitely be developed 
at an earlier age before pre-adolescence. Um, so backing up, so pre-adolescence is where research has found purpose starts to emerge in in a developmental trajectory. And then there's also self-management, which consists of skills like discipline. Um, and that is very important for youth to continue to work towards their purpose. And there's, there's a lot, but I'll just give one more example. There's also self-awareness. And because purpose is defined as something that's very meaningful to someone, so finding out what a child enjoys and what is meaningful to him and her, um, that, those are important things that you can prepare for to lay the groundwork for developing a sense of purpose. Um, I would say that there is an intrinsic belief in a lot of purpose researchers that all people and all youth, because our work is also in line with positive youth development, um, that all youth have the capacity to develop a positive purpose. And this is regardless of their context or their social economic status or their background or their race, for example. Um, and we've, or our lab, we've um, gone into cities such as Jersey City and looked at the study of purpose there. And, and a lot of youth are able to identify and develop a sense of purpose. And, and this is outside of our lab, but I know that there's work done by other people who've gone into countries, like impoverished countries, and interviewed youth. And, and sometimes the difficult conditions that um, these youth mention as being a part of their context actually shape their purpose. So they talk about wanting to better their community or to grow up and help like or to give back and to contribute to kind of their family and things like that. So yeah, I think and in an educational sense, I would say um, sometimes students are very apathetic about school. And this is regardless of socioeconomic context, I think in the United States, though maybe in some contexts there's more pressure for success than other contexts. Um, but I think it is very important to instill in students a sense of why they're there. Why are they in school? Is it just because their parents tell them to be there or their teachers are telling them to do the work? Um, or is it because they're there to work towards um, something that they are passionate about or something that they want to continue to work towards or they're enthusiastic about. And I think if they cultivate a sense of purpose, and we believe that all students, all youth are able to cultivate a positive purpose, then they're more likely to be engaged in school and they're more likely to kind of succeed in academically, but also in other ways of measuring success. And so, yeah, that's kind of our belief. I would say there is a lot of value to explore purpose with a mental health professional and especially those that are trained in exploring values and um, actually value, exploring values is a very big part of some, some types of therapy like ACT, for example, ACT, which is acceptance and commitment therapy. 
Um, there's a values card sort where clients are asked to kind of identify what their values are and their top values. And values and purpose are not completely the same thing, but there is a sense that if you are cognizant of your values, um, you can kind of identify what activities, for example, are the most meaningful. For example, some people find a lot of value in strong relationship with their family, and maybe that can also lead to their sense of purpose or their values are very tied with um, a religious institution or things like that. And, and then they identify their sense of purpose in that direction. So, and I think working with mental health professionals is, it should be less stigmatized, I think, because as a person in a clinical psychology doctoral program, I would say the field has changed in this, in the, and I'm also an Asian American where mental health used to be a lot more stigmatized and now a lot of people are more openly talking about mental health. Um, but people are more and more encouraging talking about mental health and seeking mental health professionals. And I think purpose is a good example because in the past people might think going to see a therapist is only because you have an identifiable like mental health disorder, for example, but more and more the field is progressing towards even positive psychology where purpose is a good example, like helping people find more meaning and value in their lives and helping people strengthen their relationships, even though there's not necessarily something wrong, but just find more meaning and purpose in their lives, I think. And that leads to greater sense of well-being and greater sense of fulfillment and other positive things. Yeah, I mean, I'm very grateful to my lab and to my program for being able to study these things. And I never thought that I would do a master's thesis on the study of purpose, for example, when I first found out what, that I was interested in psychology. Um, and even the fact that I'm able to study purpose in a master's thesis means that there was a considerable body of literature on purpose, which wasn't the case like a decade ago. So there's definitely, well, actually, I take that back. A decade ago, there was a body of literature. It was just maybe two decades ago. That's where it was just starting to form. Um, but I would say in the past, especially in the early days of psychology, purpose, sorry, in the past, um, a lot of the focus was more on psychopathology or exploring what is wrong with a person. And only more recently has the focus been on resilience and grit and purpose, like things like that, that are more related to human flourishing and how to improve people's lives in the sense that um, in the direction of more positive emotions. And, and so I'm very grateful for the direction that the field is moving and for my lab.